It's great to be with you this morning as we gather together to celebrate uh, what God is doing in our midst by the power of His Spirit as we conclude this uh, message series today called uh, Top Down Living. And if you haven't heard it before, the premise of it, the idea behind it is that uh, living a life with God, in particular life of God in the power of God's Spirit, is, is a lot like top-down living, taking the top down on the car, the convertible, and driving down the road. The wind in your hair, you kind of begin to forget about all the other stuff that's going on around you. It allows you to focus more on the present, on the moment. And I believe that is in part why God sent the Holy Spirit to help us live in the moment, to live in the moment with Jesus, to allow other things to fall away and to allow our lives to feel and experience God in a way that we could not experience in them before. I believe that's part and parcel what the, this series is about. It's about uh, the Holy Spirit that God sent so that we could be more focused on Jesus front and center in our lives every single day. So today, as I begin, the title for this morning's message is called Raised to New Life. And you would understand, hopefully all of you, maybe somebody that's watching at home doesn't understand, but please understand this whole spiritual conversation that we're talking about begins with the person of Jesus Christ, giving your life to Jesus, to a relationship with Jesus. When you do that, you begin a relationship unlike any other. There's no other relationship like the relationship we have with Jesus. Now, when Jesus taught us, when he was walking on the earth, he taught us that there were two things that we should do to remember him, symbols of, of what he has done. One of those is Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. We're going to be celebrating that next week. We do that every month here at Lighthouse. We do it because Jesus said we should remember him this way. And the other one is baptism. Jesus said we should be baptized. Uh, and so we're going to be baptizing some folks today. Let the church say amen. amen. It's going to be an awesome time for us this morning. And oh, by the way, I, I meant to mention it in the email that I sent out yesterday afternoon, but you're aware that we have this free space community that we helped uh, Foster, that uh, is a new faith community in a bingo hall, the town and country bingo hall, bingo hall down on Jacksboro Highway. They're having their uh, monthly worship time today uh, and a party at Dick and Jody Williamson's house, who are part of our family here at Lighthouse. And there's going to be one woman baptized at uh, the party and picnic this afternoon, too. So that would be an awesome thing as well. Baptism is about celebrating what God has done in an, in an individual, whether it's for a child or for an adult. Uh, and we ought to be able to get excited about somebody getting baptized. Can somebody say amen? amen. Can somebody give me a big amen, amen for people getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? What a gift to us to see that go on and take place. It's about someone moving out into a future life that is filled with possibility instead of a future life that is filled with darkness. A future life filled with heaven instead of hell. That's what baptism is about. That's what we proclaim when someone gets baptized. Paul said it this way in Romans 6, verses 1 through 5. He said, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. It says, 
that before, before Jesus, we were dead. And if you're here today or you're watching at home somewhere and you feel like your life is dead, please understand that you're never going to experience real life until you invite Jesus in. And not just invite him in once, but do it every day because living for him every day is what makes the difference every single day. Race to new life. Is this something you need? Power that you need? It's about a relationship with Jesus, and it's about the idea that there is supernatural power behind the person of Jesus Christ. Raised to new life is about being led by the Holy Spirit of God. So to help frame this, let's look at Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, and this is about Jesus' baptism. I want to invite you to read it with me, if you would, please. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Jesus is 30 years old. He was born a sinless life. He's ready now to begin his earthly ministry and As he prepares to go out and begin his earthly ministry, he is baptized and the Spirit of God descends upon him. And then afterwards, over in the next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2, uh, it says this. Uh, I want to invite you to read it with me as well. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. This whole conversation this morning is about living with that same power. One of the mistakes that Christians often make is they look at Jesus' baptism, we look at him being filled with the Spirit, and we think, and there are strains in the life of the church that proclaim that the gifts of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit is done. But let's be clear this morning, friends. The Holy Spirit is very much alive. And the point of the gift of the Spirit at Pentecost was to say to us, look, this power that God has given to Jesus is available to you every single day as well. Every single day, this power is available to you. Now, to help us think about this a little bit more, I want to share with you a story from my own life. This happened about maybe 12, 11, 12 years ago. Christy and I got a letter from one of our nieces, and it was an invitation in the letter to support her by sponsoring her. She was going to do one of those cancer runs or walks or whatever, right? You've, you've, you know people that have done that. It's an important thing to help uh, provide uh, medical work and care and research for these kinds of things. And uh, it was going to be done at a local high school around the track. And you were sponsoring her for a, a, a lap, right, or a number of laps. And Christy and I were thinking as we were pondering this, okay, well, we want to support her because she's our niece, right? You're going to do that. But how much do we support her in that? What do we do? Do we pay 50 cents a lap or a buck a lap or what should it be? And then we began to think about, well, how many laps could she do? She's seven years old or eight years old. And we thought, well, she could do two laps probably pretty easily. That's a half a mile, right? Uh, she could do that. Well, what if she was really especially full of gumption and she did four laps and that would be, that would be a mile. That would be four times around. And then we'd be thinking, well, maybe, maybe at the very outside she would do two miles. 
So we said, well, we're going to sponsor for five bucks a lap because she'll go two miles at the most. That'll be 40 bucks. Okay, we can do that, right? So we sent the letter off back to her and kind of forgot about it. And about a month and a half later, we get a call from my sister, Sandy. And she says, oh, thank you guys for supporting Aubrey in this run and this walk thing. And, and uh, we said, well, how many laps did she do? And, and she did, well, she, she said, well, she did five miles, 20 laps, 20 laps. And, and on the phone, I'm going, wow, that's amazing. How great is that? And I'm thinking to myself, holy smokes, it's 100 bucks right? And after we hung up the phone, Christy and I were talking. We're like, well, how did she do that? This little kid going all that distance. How could she do that? And, and we, we surmised that, yeah, but at least part of the reason she could do that was because she was running for her dad. Her dad died a year earlier in a tragic boating accident. We thought, well, yeah, that's got to be part of where, where she got that energy from. Uh, but maybe she just, maybe part of it was just adrenaline because there were a lot of people there, right? You go to those events and there's a lot of people cheering everybody on. Surely she got some motivation from that. But come on, 20 laps, really? How could she do that? Where do you get a reservoir like that? Where do you get strength? Where do you get power to do that in your life? And, and this morning, friends, I just want to begin by, by inviting you to recognize that if you're struggling with an issue in your life, that God has this power, this Holy Spirit power that God wants to give to you, that want, God wants to open up in you to be able to help you deal with things that look insurmountable in your life. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit to give us, to equip us, to be able to deal with all these crazy things that we have to do, deal with in life, to give us power that we cannot have on our own, the power of God. There are many times in our journey when we face challenges that appear to be insurmountable, that we're running this race and we've got what we think are a number of laps yet to go, and yet the more times we go around the track, the further away the end seems to be to us. And let's acknowledge this morning that this power is not about adrenaline. This power is not about being motivated by money. This power is about being motivated by, by being led, by empowered, by being equipped by the very Spirit of God, who especially wants to fill us when times get tough. Everybody in this room should pray when you get up in the morning. I've said it many times. The first prayer you should pray as you get up in the morning is, Okay, God, it's a new day. I can't wait to see what you've got for me today. It's going to be a glorious day. No matter what day it is, it's going to be a glorious day because God will be with you. That should be the beginning. The second part of that prayer is that we should pray every single day for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in us on that day as well. Because I believe it's not about saying that, that I want the Holy Spirit to lead me once. It's about I want the Holy Spirit to lead me every single day, not just the one time. So we should pray every day, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Now, the Apostle Paul teaches us a lot about the Holy Spirit uh, he, do, he does so in lots of different places, but I want to read to you a passage from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this word in the original language is pleiruthesai, and pleiruthesai is a verb that means to be filled. And 
It's a verb that would be used for filling of all kinds of things, like a glass or even filling up a pitcher. But you know that Paul is not talking about glasses or pitchers here. He's talking about people. And he's talking about people being filled with the very Spirit of God. And because of the way that it's used in this phrase, in this sentence, in the passage, it, it is teaching us that this filling is something that we need to desire to happen every single day, not a one-time deal, but every single day. Be filled. And we know because of the content of Ephesians that Paul was writing to a very mature people, very mature Christians. In fact, sometimes people have called Ephesians the Alps of the Bible because it's very lofty in what it speaks to us about. Or some have said that Ephesians is the Grand Canyon of the Bible because it's so deep. And Paul writes to those mature people. These are people who are somewhat seasoned in their faith. He says to them, you need to be filled every single day. Every single day. And if it's good enough for a mature Christian to pray that, shouldn't it be good enough for anybody who maybe says, I'm not all that mature yet? We should pray every day, Spirit of God, fill me up. Sustain me in my faith. Let me also remind you that if you are one of those people that thinks that they have arrived, that thinks that they know all that there is to know, there may be some of you in the room that think, well, I've heard Frank preach a thousand times. I've heard all this stuff before. Well, you know what? The Spirit of God moves in different ways every time Frank speaks or anybody else speaks. And so we should be attentive to hear what God speaks to us through the words that somebody else is speaking. But let's remember that it has everything to do with being teachable. A Christian ought to part and parcel be someone who is, teach, who is teachable, who says, I haven't arrived. I haven't learned everything that I need to learn. There's so much more that I need to learn from God. And so my prayer for you this day is that you understand that you need to continue to, be, to seek the filling of God's Spirit and to be mature. Biblical scholars point out that in this sentence, when it talks about filling, this verb, that it's, it's saying, be filled continually. It's not a one-time kind of thing. It's about tapping into God's Holy Spirit continually so that we can run on the track of life and not give up and not fall over because it is so big. So the passage that we read in which Jesus was baptized and the Spirit descended is a reminder that this desire in Jesus was to fulfill his Father's purposes for his life. Now, please understand that, that, that Jesus is desiring of, of doing the things that God wants him to do, his, to fulfill his purposes. And Jesus, born of the Spirit, lived a life without sin. And, and, and in this moment, when Jesus comes up out of the water and the, and the voice of God says, this is my dearly loved Son uh, with whom I am pleased, that, that part of that pleasure from God the Father had to be because Jesus had done what his father had told him to do. And on face value, the story in the moment is that we get this impression that the father is putting the stamp of approval on Jesus. Thirty years have passed since Jesus was born. And he has been pleasing his father and Jesus, who would become the Lamb of God, the very sacrificial lamb of God to take the sins of the world on his back. He must be pure. He must be blameless. And he is being celebrated by his heavenly father in this moment. And he's now be being filled with power to allow him to go begin his life of ministry. 
And this is really important for us to catch because Jesus has lived all this, all this time and he only now is beginning his formal ministry. And this baptism, being filled with the Spirit, is about him finally being able to have the power that he needs to go out and sustain himself in the next three years. He's been being poured into so that he could be poured out into the church. And we as members of the body need to remember that this same power is available to us. In order for us to deal with our lives and the challenges that we have, we need that power as well. It's not about getting around the next lap or the next five laps. It's about getting around the laps in the next five years, in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, in the next 50 years. It's about being sustained for that entire time. And it begins with our very real desire for God to do new things in me. When was the last time you prayed, God, do new things in me? When was the last time you prayed a prayer like that and invited God to have his way in you so that these new things could come to pass? It's about doing things not in our strength, but in God's strength, not because of our adrenaline, or not because of some motivation by money, as I said already, but because of the Spirit of God filling us. So I want you today to think about what happens when a person is freely filled, freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us today to put ourselves in this image of Jesus coming up out of the water, and for us to have the same kind of hunger that Jesus did for that power, the very power of God. Now the passage tells us three things. It says the, the heavens were opened up to him, it says God spoke, and God said, this is my dearly loved son. And it says Jesus was then led by the Spirit. And the point of this exercise this morning is to help us see what will happen when the power of the Holy Spirit is put into practice in our own lives. So with a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we'll see more clearly, we'll love more deeply, and we'll walk more closely. I want to invite you to Read it with me, would you? With a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to us, we'll see more clearly, we'll love more deeply, we'll walk more closely. See more clearly the invisible realm, love more deeply the Father and all the people of the earth, including our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to walk more closely with Jesus toward the perfect will of God. So let's first consider seeing more clearly. It says that the heavens were opened up. Jesus saw the invisible. Jesus saw what David proclaimed in Psalm 19, verse 1. David said, heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming his handiwork. And if you are like me, sometimes I just have to go outside and look at the stars to be reminded that God is still working around me. I don't know how you can look at the stars and, and think that that is an accident. The stars remind me they are the handiwork of God. They remind me that God is alive and well and working all around me. All of heaven declares God's glory. It's everywhere. And can you imagine Jesus coming up out of the water with new eyes, new eyes to see things that he, he wasn't seeing before, that the, the scene Jesus saw all of heaven who was celebrating the Son of God coming up out of the water, beginning his earthly ministry. 
Can you imagine what that would have looked like from Jesus' vantage point to see all of heaven celebrating Jesus coming up out of the water, seen more clearly? Where the living God lives, God puts everything in order. And, and over in Romans 4 and Revelations 4 and 5, we get this amazing vantage point, this amazing view that the writers give to us of what the throne of God looks like and the shining sea that is there. It, is, it, it boggles the mind to think about this, this idea of God's throne and what that might look like. And all of this is being opened up to Jesus and it's being opened up to us as well. So I want to ask you this morning a question that you need to answer for yourself, and that is, do you believe in this invisible realm? Do you, in your heart, believe in this invisible realm? You know, in our society today, we get a lot of influence from science, which is very important, but sometimes we give away the Bible to science. Sometimes we think that Einstein's theory of relativity is more important than God's position on creation. Sometimes we, we buy Einstein so much that, that we think, well, there can't be an alternate reality because we'd be bumping into that alternate reality if it was really there. Maybe, maybe you and I have bumped into angels unaware along the way, huh? Let's be clear. Let's be realistic. This scene of the unseen world is not about becoming some kind of mystic. It's not about wanting to be uh, some kind of mystic. It's so that we can recognize that there are powers, there are forces, there are personalities that want to invade your mind, your personality, your home, your marriage, your relationships. There are forces that want to invade all those kinds of things. Forces that want to pollute the pattern of your life. Forces that would love to see your business fail, to, to see your work end. Forces that are working around you to try to defeat you so that you would give up on God because that would be a great victory for them. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 that we must recognize that we are engaged in spiritual warfare. Warfare for the very souls of people. Battling the unseen. So seeing more clearly has a practical implication for us as we recognize the very real presence of the invisible because we need to get a fresh flow of the Holy Spirit to guide us each day to deal with day-to-day -day issues. By example, while I, while I was recovering from my surgery that I had uh, earlier this year, uh, I had my surgery on the 9th of January and Chrissy had her kidney surgery two weeks later. And I've chronicled for you before how challenging it was for me and how dark it was for me a lot in the, those periods. And, and uh, as I think I've said before, Christy and I were quite the pair during this time uh, because we were both obviously depleted physically and wrestling with that emotionally and spiritually as well. And because we were down, because we were somewhat depressed physically and emotionally, and for me, certainly some depression uh, emotionally as well, uh, one of the things that happens when you get like that is you start getting a little bit testy. You ever gotten testy with your spouse? Today? If it hasn't happened yet today, give yourself a chance. It might come later today. And uh, I, I was um, 
I was not wanting to take my pain medication because of what it was doing to me. And, and, and yet I would lay there in bed and I would moan. And Chrissy would say, why don't you take a pain pill? And I didn't want to take a pain pill. And yet I knew that I was in all this pain. And, and so it started to get a little bit tense between us. And it started to get a little tight quarters between the two of us. And at some point, you know, there's these little exchanges, these little barbs that are going back and forth, maybe a little bit of sarcasm in there, dripping in there as well. And, and Chrissy got up from the bed, and she walked out to the kitchen because she was going to get something to eat. And, and this, this, this kind of unhappiness was, was just kind of a cloud on us. And after a moment, when she was gone, I realized that she was gone. And, and then I, I'm like, well, I, I need to get something to eat myself. So I got up and I made my way to the kitchen. And when I was on my way to the kitchen, she was coming back to the bedroom. And we had to pass each other in the hallway. And, and when we got to each other in the hallway, we both kind of stopped at the same time. And we looked at each other and we both said, I'm sorry. And we, we hugged, we embraced. And in that moment, we began to pray. We prayed, Spirit of God, descend on us. May the work and power of the devil flee from us because we recognize that the devil is trying to put division among us and we will not buy what the devil is selling. We claim victory in Jesus right now. And our relationship was restored in that moment and we went about our day. And the reason I bring this to your attention this morning is that when you have these kinds of things going on in your life, whether it's in your marriage or with your kids or at work or whatever it is, when there is this kind of conflagration of, of unhappiness that's going on, it, it's a playground for the devil. It's a place where, where the devil likes to jump in and start feeding us lies about what's going on. And, and this is what Jesus died for, to fight against that, to overcome that, but also it's part and parcel what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. And that's why we got to have a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit every day, because we want the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can deal with these challenges as they come. I want to invite you to recognize, whether you're here or whether you're watching at home, that some of us are tolerating more of the devil in our life than we need to be tolerating. In our marriages, in our work, in our homes, in our business, in our relationships. It's not that you don't have the right background. It's not that you don't have the right Jesus living in you, but it's that you and I very often deny the work and power of the Holy Spirit because we don't invite Him to give us a fresh filling every single day. And when we reclaim this living a new life, we're able to see things more clearly. A second aspect of this being raised to new life, like when the voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy, it's about loving more deeply. And when we look at this moment in Jesus' life, when he comes up out of the water, we'd say, well, that was a supernatural moment, the power of God descending upon him beyond our abilities. But I also believe that it was a psychological moment as well. Because we think, when we think about Jesus, we think about this Jesus being fully God, but very often we don't really grapple with this idea that Jesus was fully human as well, that the two were linked together in one person. And it's psychological in that moment because can't you imagine how Jesus felt to hear his father say, you are my dearly loved son. 
I am pleased with you. I am happy with you. What kind of a profound impact that would have on Jesus at a very personal level. Just like your father, when your father says, I love you and I am pleased with you or I am proud of you, that the, the, the magnitude of what that does in you. Think about the magnitude of what that would do in Jesus on that day. On a personal level, Jesus had to feel this power of God in a profound way. I am sure that there are maybe some in this room or some watching at home who, have, who, who wrestle with this very idea because they had a dad that maybe hardly ever or never said that they loved you. And what a game changer it would have been in your life if dad had said with some kind of regularity, I love you and I'm proud of you. And oh, by the way, dads, if you're a dad in the room, please understand the magnitude of what it's, it, it conveys to your children, whether your children are five or three or 50, what, the magnitude of what it means for a child to hear his or her father say, I love you and I am proud of you. Imagine the difference that this makes. And some people are, are hesitant to give their lives to Jesus because they don't want to pray to a heavenly father because their image of a heavenly father is not a good one. And let me just invite you to consider that today, as we think about Jesus' baptism and being filled with the Spirit, that, that with Jesus living in your heart, if Jesus lives in you, that the words that God spoke to Jesus, God is speaking to you. That you are God's dearly loved daughter or son who brings God great joy. And finally, being raised to new life with a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, it's about walking more closely with Jesus. It deepens our confidence of who we are because we get our identity from God then. And it also does another thing. It breaks us out of thinking about our lives being small. It breaks us out of this idea of smallness of life. Because one of the things that people wrestle with is they think their lives are so insignificant, so small, that God wouldn't really want to invest anything in them. Part of what the Holy Spirit does is it awakens us to understand that there's nothing small about your life. That Jesus died on the cross for you. Just for you. And because of that gift, you can live in this way that helps you understand that your life is vitally important to God. You matter to God. The passage we began with says that after the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, that he was led by that same Spirit into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And think about it this way. The result of Jesus being filled with the Spirit was that he got tempted. And some of us might say, well, if that's the case, I don't really want to be filled with the Spirit then, Frank. Because if that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, is I'm going to get tempted. I'm not sure that I want that. But you understand that temptation is, is, is part and parcel, one of the struggles that all of us have in this room. Temptation to do things, to think things, to see things, to say things that we know we should not. But we also understand that this temptation is part of, of what helps us draw on God's strength. Jesus, when he went out and was tempted in the wilderness for those 40 days, you, you've read it before, no doubt, 
But Jesus, as he was tempted, when the devil would tempt him, Jesus' response in every case was to quote the Bible to him. Jesus used the word of God as a big giant sword to fight with the devil. And when it was all done, we find that angels are ministering to Jesus, nurturing him back to strength. And isn't that something that we all want, to be nurtured by the forces of God? Isn't that how we're supposed to be living? Uh, too many people think that walking with God means you'll get a victory. And, and yes, the victory will come, but the victory implies battle every single time. There's a war that's going on. It's a war over you, over your soul, over your spirit. And the unseen realities are fighting against God to try to win you over so that you would deny Christ. The Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Through that Spirit, we walk closely with Jesus so our lives can go the direction that they need to go, sometimes in a direction that we are unaware of. So raised to new life, what does it look like? It's about seeking to walk every day, filled with the power of the Spirit. It's about seeing more clearly. It's about loving more deeply. It's about walking more closely with Jesus. And this is also why it's so important for us to engage in the work of Jesus every day. It's why we as a church are investing in schools around us, in community agencies around us, to help those people know that God loves them that God cares about them. It's why we have mission efforts, uh, not only into Fort Worth, but beyond the boundaries of Fort Worth and even into the world. You're aware that we had a mission team just returned from Mexico this past week at Casa Hogar. Going to Casa Hogar is, is, is a beautiful gift to be able to do as an individual because I, I, I would tell you that you could ask anybody that's been to Mexico, they will tell you, that they got far more blessings by going than they feel like they gave away. One of the things that I learned this past week about their trip to Mexico was that while our team was there, there were five children that were brought to the home by, by the, uh, the state officials. The mother of those children was uh, in the hospital and they believe was not going to live. So they bring five kids and dump them off at the home. And I was told that one of those children somehow had been burned some, in some period in its early life, burned on the in parts of its body, but on the bottom of his or her feet. I don't even know if it was a, a girl or a boy. But it was her feet. It was on, I'm sorry? It was a girl. Okay, thank you. It was a girl. And, and that because of the burning, her toes were essentially welded together on her feet. And because of the work of Casa Hogar, that little girl is going to get surgery to allow her toes to be able to function again. What a powerful thing to see and experience the power of God in a child's life. It's part of why it's so important that we go to places like Orange, Texas, which our next team is going to be leaving this coming Saturday to go to Orange to continue the work of recovery after Hurricane Harvey. And it's also why it's important for us to go to Kenya. And we'll be going back to Kenya next year because going there, we, we engage in the work of the Holy Spirit I want to show you a picture. Uh, you've seen this maybe before. I put it up on Facebook. Uh, our team went to worship on the first Sunday that we were there at the Methodist Church right in town. And we were privileged to go into one of the Sunday school classes. And this little girl, the team members will tell you, right, Pam? This little girl walked up to me and just stood right next to me. 
And I'm kind of like, okay, right? And, and she just stood there. And after a, a few moments, she went like this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm kind of slow. I'm kind of dense, but I get this, right? And I picked her up. And, and she just latched onto me like I was her long-lost grandpa or something, right? And, and she held on to me, and she held on to me. And for about the next 10 minutes, she just held me. And then it was time, when it was time for us to go to, to go to worship, I had to let go of her. And she started crying. She didn't want to let go of me. And, and I just got to say, that, I, I can't explain it. It's the power of the Spirit. It blessed my life in ways that you just can't imagine. The power of the Spirit. Is about being raised to new life. It's about seeing the unseen. It's about loving more deeply. It's about walking with God's spirit every day.